0: Welcome to the City View Community Church Podcast. Whether you're here for our weekly sermons, leadership chats, or conversations about life, we are stoked that you are here. If you want to know more of our story or want to partner with us, head over to cityviewcc.com. Our prayer today is that you walk away challenged, encouraged, and more passionate about discovering your purpose by knowing God, loving people, and living on mission. Let's jump right in. Hey, everybody, it's Pastor Darren. It's so great to be with you today. I hope you're doing well. And I looked at the calendar, and it's December, like, which is amazing. And uh, just before we get launched in today's uh, message, I just want to let you know my hand is doing great. I had a little work by the doctor, so if you see this thing, it's just because I have to have it wrapped up. Otherwise, you'd be going, "Mmm, that is not pretty in there. So anyway. Hey, I want to start off with a question, though, and the question is simply this. How many of you are... Finish with your shopping. Like, just raise your hand right where you're at right now. You're finished with your shopping. And I know it's, the rest of us are going, We haven't even started our shopping, right? Like, that would be the other hand, right? Like, we haven't even started yet, type of thing. But it's amazing. Like, I've watched people go, Oh, I've, I've been done since like September. I'm like, How do you do that? Like, that is just amazing. Uh, But this time of the year and looking around and it's just beautiful in here, right? With all the Christmas trees and all the decorations. You guys did such a great job. I I love Christmas. I always have. I've always been a Christmas kid uh, ever since I was little. In fact, I remember uh, when I was super young, I would take my pillow like at 2 a.m. Like we had a curfew, like do not wake up mom and dad till seven, right? But 2 a.m. I would be like so excited, right awake and ready for Christmas. So I would take my pillow, I would go into the hallway and I would put my pillow just inside uh, my mom and dad's bedroom and I would lay there with my head just inside of their room staring at the clock next to my mom and dad's bed. And I would watch like slowly as that hand just went around like two o'clock three o'clock, four o'clock, and I was like, oh, this is the worst. But I couldn't go back to bed. I couldn't sleep. I was just way too excited, right? Because Christmas is this time of like expecting the unexpected, like what's Santa going to bring? What's going to happen this year? What's the day going to be like? How is it going to unfold? In fact, I think Duncan, my, my son, uh, probably got a little bit of that Christmas bug uh, from me because I remember when he was little, he found this song and he would play it on, on cassette tape, right, he would play this little song uh, and it was, you gotta get up, you gotta get up, you gotta get up, it's Christmas morning. And I remember he would come bouncing into our room and of course Annette and I were already awake. So we would be laying in bed and we'd hear like the door slowly open and it just kinda of peek out of one eye like, yep, here he comes. And you know, like as a parent, when your kids are doing things and you're kind of pretending like you're asleep, but all of a sudden you start laughing. And so Duncan was bringing his little Fisher-Price cassette player into our room, quietly, trying to be in stealth mode, right? Trying to be so gentle, like, I don't want to wake up mom and dad yet. And so he'd get ready and he'd push that little button and he'd crank up the volume and he'd hold it up and it'd be like just as loud as could be. You gotta get up, you gotta get up. It's Christmas morning and I remember I'd, I'd be chuckling just under the blankets, just kind of that, that, and he's kind of like looking like maybe they're awake and all of a sudden I would just jump out of bed and go, hey, is it Christmas? And he'd be like, yes, let's go. Let's get this going, right? And I love that. I love that the family time and all those cherished memories that we had, right? It's like our own little private Hallmark movie, you know, just kind of going on. It's just warm and cozy. and, and But if we all admit it, it is a time to expect the unexpected, right? That's what Christmas has always been. But it's nothing like the first Christmas. Uh, the first Christmas Uh, It was nothing like our Christmases today. It was raw, it was rugged, it was hard, and it was exactly what you and I need. Like, the first Christmas was a perfect recipe for our greatest needs, right? And so it's pretty, pretty cool. So I would suggest today, as we get rolling, that the first Christmas is the best version of Christmas uh, that we can lean into. And we don't want to, like, just pass through it too quickly and go on to all those other Christmas stories, but we want to sink into God's Christmas story, like the original version Christmas story, uh, which is what we're going to do uh, today. And and what's amazing about that first Christmas, this this unexpected Christmas, uh, is simply this. Uh, If we think of everything that we'd ever want for Christmas, all I want for Christmas, right?, Um, God already knew. And and in this first Christmas, uh, in this unexpected Christmas story, he wrote a story that you and I would have never written. Like there's no way we would have written this kind of story because the story we would have written is like, oh, it's got to have like some, some fun and, and a little bit of tension, but not too much tension, right? And everything is going to resolve and it's going to be amazing and everybody's going to be happy. And in the last 60 seconds, right, they're going to kiss, right? Everything's going to work out just, just perfectly. But that's not how the original Christmas story, the first Christmas story went. In fact, in the first Christmas story, If you think about it, man, it had an incredible cast of characters. Like there were people in that first Christmas story, including you and I, uh, that make it just rich and amazing. So let's take a look at what God says as far as the first Christmas story. And today we're going to spend our time in Luke chapter 2. So if you've got a Bible or your Bible app, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2, and we can follow along there. So one of the things about the first Christmas story I also want to mention is this. It was done in real time. Like when we read the Christmas story, right, in in Matthew and in Luke, the two places we see the Christmas story, we're looking at it from our side. Like it already happened side. It's like, of course. But you've got to understand that the original cast of characters, they were living it in real time. Like they had no script. They didn't understand what was going on. Uh, they didn't understand that this story that God was writing uh, was going to be an amazing, amazing story. And I want you to imagine with me, uh, just for a moment, what it would have been like. Uh, maybe uh, at, at Starbucks or maybe at Jamba Juice, if you're like me. But I want you to imagine a conversation that would have taken place between two people. Uh, between a guy named Luke and, and a gal named Mary. And all of a sudden, Luke looks over and asks Mary and says, Mary, would would you tell me what that first Christmas was like once again? And Mary began. And talk about this great God setup. And and Mary began to tell in Luke chapter 2 this amazing story as as Luke was taking notes of, uh, of what it was like to... First of all, as Danny did such an incredible job with last week to to have this encounter uh, by God's messenger, by this angel who came and said, Mary, favored one, uh, your life's about to change dramatically. Uh, And I could see Mary sharing that part of the story with Luke, but then she gets to this part of the story, and this part of the story would have just been crazy. Uh, Beginning in chapter two, she would have said, Luke, I didn't see it coming. I, I didn't even fathom that what had happened up in Nazareth was, was actually going to have a change of scenery. Uh, because there was a census. There was the Roman uh, Emperor uh, Augustus. And he says, look, we, we got to start counting people in our empire. We got to find out how many people, how many citizens, Jewish citizens, uh, we have. And, and this census that was taken by him and by Perinius, the governor at the time, it uh, kind of would have landed like a bolt of lightning for Mary. Where all of a sudden it says, look, everybody has to go back to their own ancestral town. And she probably would have said to Luke, like, Luke, that was the last thing I could have imagined. Like, I, I already thought my, my plate and my mind had been blown enough, right? It was so full with what God had said the first time. And now we have to take a road trip, and I'm very pregnant. And this road trip that we took to head down to Joseph, my fiance's town down in Bethlehem, was not an easy job. That it, was, it was a journey that was <laughs> not calling Uber. We didn't jump on a plane. We, uh, we didn't have uh, rail at the time. It was, it was a week's walk uh, with a little donkey. 90 miles like like from here to Disneyland. And it was brutal. It was rough. The trip was not the kind of trip that anybody would want to take when they're pregnant. Particularly not Mary. And it almost forces us to ask the question, who's in charge? Like, like we look at the Christmas story and it's again so easy for us to read past what's actually happening, but, but I want to ask the question, who's in charge? Like, like all of a sudden Mary, this young teenage pregnant girl who's going to carry the Son of God is told, you've got to go like 90 miles, like, like in a week's journey, and, and you've got to go all the way down from Nazareth all the way down to Bethlehem, and you're going to walk, and it's going to be dangerous. So were the emperors in charge? Were the governors in charge? Are presidents in charge today when we look at all that's going on? I would suggest today that Jesus was being delivered to Bethlehem by God's delivery schedule. God, God had this plan already figured out exactly the way it was going to happen In fact, it's what he had said in Micah about 400 years earlier. Oh, yeah, my son, yeah, he's going to be born in Bethlehem, a little nowhere town, the city of David. It was almost like in Mary's life, somebody said, excuse me, we interrupt this program, right, with a special announcement. Nobody had any idea that God was up to something big. Like big, big, not like just kind of, ooh, that was like a cool God thing. Like, like this was the amazing pivotal point of all history. This little town, Bethlehem, just about five miles south of Jerusalem, the capital city where the temple was, where people would go to worship, was gonna become the center point of the first Christmas story. And then Mary would continue And talk about how Joseph, her fiance, would take her young, obviously pregnant wife, and then she would head along with Joseph and perhaps a few friends all the way down to Bethlehem. And she would probably share with Luke of how uncomfortable that journey was, and perhaps frightening at times, the weather that they were exposed to, robbers, bandits, that were very common in that area. And it was there in Bethlehem that she gave birth to her baby, to Jesus, her first child, uh, a son. And I could see her uh, talking to Luke and saying, and Luke, I, I took this little infant, and then I started to just wrap him in 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 some strips of cloth, and I I laid him in this manger because there was no place for us. We we were were literally uh, not in the inn. We were literally in a cave for animals because there was no lodging for us. And Luke probably just sat back in his chair, and he goes, this is unbelievable. And then Mary leaned in a little bit more, and she said, Wait till you catch the next part. And I love this next part of the the Luke story, the Luke passage. How how this silent night, this this special moment between Joseph and and Mary and and, and their baby son Jesus, who was the Son of God, this silent night was interrupted by a great invitation. And and look with me in verse 8. Of Luke chapter two, it says that night there were shepherds staying in the field nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Now, we just went from the the royals and those in charge and the magistrates uh, sending Joseph and Mary on this 90 mile trip down to Bethlehem to give birth to the son of God. In that night that it all happened. It says there were shepherds. Sheep herders. Like, wait a minute. Like, this seems so out of place that that we have shepherds injected into the middle of this story. It's not that shepherds weren't known. Shepherds were well-known all through Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament. You can go all the way back. In fact, David, who became King David, was a young shepherd boy. But you got to understand about Something about shepherds and shepherds weren't anybody. Uh, This shepherds were tending their flocks. Part of the story wasn't like God was reaching out to the who's who. These were the least of these type of guys. These were the these were the snowplow guys. These were the take out the trash guys. These were the the dirty job guys. They were despised. They were homeless and they were left out. That's who the shepherds were. Hmm. And it's ironic that these shepherds, uh, many Bible scholars believe that what these shepherds were actually doing is they were tending uh, the, the royal flocks outside of Jerusalem. The, the sheep and these lambs would be used for sacrifice in the temple at Jerusalem. These sheep that were destined for sacrifice in a temple that would not even welcome the shepherds who guarded them because the shepherds were a bunch of nobodies. And then in verse nine, it goes on. It says, suddenly an angel of the Lord <laughs> appeared among them like, like these shepherds were out just 10 of their flocks. They were probably kicking back for the evening, kind of doing a perimeter check, making sure everything was good. and All the sheep were safe. And then suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them. And you can just imagine, as we saw last week with, with Mary's story, when the angel showed up. And it says, and the, the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And all of a sudden they were just like, whoa, like who just lit up the sky? Like we were having this beautiful silent night, the, the, watching the, the stars and watching shooting stars go by. And all of a sudden this angel, and then it says in the very next breath, they were terrified. And you can see Mary as she's sharing this to Luke, like, they were freaked out. Suddenly, angels, these, these big, awesome, uh, breathtaking, apparently intimidating, this angel shows up and says, and, and I love this. I love this in the next line. It says, it's okay. Keep breathing. Don't, don't be afraid. I've got something to tell you. And it's really, really good. The shepherds were eyeing each other. Are you seeing what I'm seeing? Or did we have like too much silly eggnog tonight? (laughs) Like this is incredible. And I think I'm freaking out right now. Verse 10. But the angel assured them, don't be afraid. But stop freaking out. Keep breathing. You're okay. I bring you good news that will bring great joy. Now, love this next phrase to all people. God God was making an announcement that was huge. It wasn't just for God's family, uh, Israel, the, the Jewish people. It was for all people. This good news, this message that God had. Verse 11, the Savior, you know the one that you've been waiting for? Yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, like just up the road from where you're at right now in the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign, which tells me there might have been some other kiddos being born during this time, right? But you'll recognize him. You're going to recognize Jesus, the Messiah, because you'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger, just like Mary had said moments ago. This was that big Bold God moment. The, the message was clear. It's happening. We've been waiting for centuries for the Messiah, the promised one. Jesus is here. The promised gift has arrived. The Messiah has been born in Bethlehem. A little baby born in a manger. And today in the city of David. And by the way, it's good news for all people. Even for shepherds. In verse 13 the story gets a little bit bigger. It says suddenly the angel who brought this original message the angel was joined by a vast host of others. Like one angel wasn't enough. Now they're going to bring the whole choir, the armies of heaven. Like God's warriors, big, strong, fierce, praising God and singing, "Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth" to those with whom God is pleased. Like this grand finale, this this angelic choir, right, was just like blowing the minds of these shepherds. There was this celebration. It was, was this exclamation point of history. It was the mic dropped. God's redemptive plan has now been complete. God sent us a gift of his son, our savior, Jesus Christ. So question, why shepherds? Why not kings and rulers and nobles and and, and like those that sent Joseph and Mary on this wild goose chase in the first place? I believe it's for one simple, clear reason. God wants us to know that he sees us, every single one of us, the extraordinary as well as the ordinary. Do you realize that when you, when you go through uh, the stories of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you don't see a story of heroes. You, you don't see Jesus putting together a, a dream team of, of amazing people who had it all figured out. No, 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 no. Jesus chose people like us, like ordinary people, tax collectors, fishermen, people who are excited about the law. People who didn't always get it right. People who had messy in their lives. They were chosen, these shepherds were chosen to give Mary a message. Mary and Joseph were there in that cave looking at their newborn son, Jesus. They weren't where the angel was hanging out with the shepherds. So they told the shepherds like you've got to give Mary this message that your son uh, Jesus this little baby that you're holding he is going to be the hope of the world hope for shepherds hope for teen moms hope for hope for the lost for the marginalized for the proud the selfish the angry the sinner shepherds you're included we're included you and I have been seen by the God of the universe. Just ordinary us. That's a pretty good day. They were invited to God's banquet table. Uh, let, let me explain. Some of you know the psalm that, that David wrote. Uh, it, it's a psalm that brings great comfort. It's a psalm sometimes that we as pastors will share Uh, At somebody's uh, going home celebration, memorial services. It's Psalm 23. And in Psalm 23, written by David, a shepherd who had become the king, just an ordinary boy who had a heart for God. David writes in Psalm 23, beginning in verse 1, the Lord, the Lord, God, Abba, the Father, the Lord, is my shepherd. And because of that I have all that I need. I'm good. I'm good. And, and then I want to jump down to verse 5, where David writes in the 23rd Psalm, he says, and, and God, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. Like, like all those people that wish me wrong, all those people that want to hurt me or harm me or or, or, or ruin my life or just bring me down. You prepare a feast for me. In the presence of my enemies, you honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Like this banquet feast, this banquet table, you're inviting me to be a part of that. Just ordinary me. And in verse 6, surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all of the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Not temporary forever, like I'm going to be invited by God, my heavenly father, my shepherd to be part of his family, to be in his house forever and ever and ever. Our Christmas is very different from the first Christmas today. The way we celebrate the things that we do, the commercials on television, Black Friday, shopping, deadlines, making sure all the presents are wrapped just right. But without the first Christmas. But without the first Christmas. We wouldn't have Christmas. We would not have a Christmas that says everybody is invited to God's family. Oh, we might exchange a few gifts and presents and and things that a year from now we go. What did I even get last year? Oh, yeah, some slippers and socks. Or maybe it was, nah, I don't don't remember. But you see, the first Christmas is an invitation to be a part of God's family through a baby that was born in Bethlehem, who would give his life on a Roman cross so that shepherds and sinners and people like you and I, for everybody, that we could have life both now and next. Ooh, what a night for these shepherds. And what a night as Mary is sharing this story with, with her friend Luke, who is just going, wow. But I love what happens next in this, this silent night that was interrupted with this invitation. I could see the shepherds looking at one another and going, man, whew, that was something. Hey, let's go back to tending our sheep. Not on your life. Now, eventually, but not yet. They wanted to see for themselves. In fact, they ran to see for themselves. Because after meeting Jesus, they could not, not talk about Jesus. It just happens that way. I I don't know about your story. I know in my story, when I first said yes to Jesus and when I first met Jesus, man, it's, I was so excited. It's like, you guys, you're not even to believe what happened. Like, like God loves me so much that he allowed his son, Jesus to die for me. So I could say yes and be a part of God's forever family. Like I could not not talk about Jesus. And it's what happened with these shepherds. Like in verse 15, when the angels had returned to heaven, like, like they went home, right? Go hang out with God. The shepherds said to each other, let's just go back and tend our sheep. No, 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 no. They said, let's go to Bethlehem. It's just up the street. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Like we were invited. So they hurried to the village and they found Mary and Joseph and there was the baby lying in a manger. Just like the angels told them what happened. It's like, there he is right there. And they were in awe. When they saw Jesus, their hearts were so filled, all they could start doing was talking about Jesus. They could not not talk about him. Because it says in verse 17, after seeing him, the shepherds told everybody what happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. You know, Jesus has that effect on people. Do you remember the story of the woman on the well? And all of a sudden, she was so, like, blown away that Jesus, right, It was this Jewish man, would hang out with a Samaritan woman alone in the middle of the day at a well. She was so blown away that Jesus loved her and had so much compassion for her that she ran back to her little village, Sychar, and she just told everybody about Jesus. It's the same Jesus effect happening with the shepherds. Verse 18, all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. Like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, that really happened? Yes. And then in verse 19, guys, this is so, like, one of these little nuggets, these little gifts in Scripture. But Mary, who's sharing this story, kept all of these things in her heart and thought about them often. Like, she just captured it. And, and I'm so glad that Mary did that, because when, when she later met this Christ follower named Luke, who was both a doctor and a historian. And and Luke was the one who asked Mary, Mary, I want to write this down for for friends of mine. Would you tell me that story? You got to remember, Mary was the only one who was there. Joseph had passed long ago. The shepherds, we don't hear from them again. This was Mary's story that she shared with her friend, Luke, in Luke's gospel. And I wonder if Mary looked over at Luke and says, hey, so what are you doing? I, well, I'm writing this down, this, 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 this Jesus story for, for friends of mine, and, and this one guy in particular, his name is Theophilus, and I, and I want to get this story just right. And, and Mary's probably like, oh, that's awesome. So what are you going to call your story? He goes, Luke. I'm just going to call it Luke. okay? just leave me alone. Like, it's just going to be Luke, right? It's going to be the gospel according to me, Luke. okay? so anyway. So uh, anyway, I'm so glad that Mary did this. I'm so glad that she captured all of what took place. And as these shepherds came and told Mary and Joseph, you can't believe what just happened to us. And like, this is so amazing. And then in verse 20, the shepherds went back to their flocks. Yes, they didn't just abandon their flocks and leave them glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. Like they were so grateful, their hearts were so filled with what God had revealed to them and showed them and, and how he had guided them and directed them and invited them to be a part of the story. Because it was just as the angel had told them. Hmm. So what do, what do we do with this story? What do we do with this amazing uh, encounter between uh, God and these shepherds and and this, this young teenage girl and her baby son, Jesus? I want to flip over to John chapter 10 just for one quick little pit stop. John was another very close friend of Jesus. In fact, his closest friends were Matthew, I'm sorry, were Peter, James, and John. Those were the three closest friends of Jesus. Matthew was a part of the group, but, but those three. So John was one of Jesus' closest friends. In fact, he's called John the Beloved. Like, he and Jesus had a very special relationship and friendship. And this is what, this is what John wrote in John chapter 10. And, and, and he's just writing down what Jesus was sharing at the time. And beginning in verse 10 of John 10, he says, look, the thief, Jesus is preaching, he says, the thief's purpose, like the reason the thief shows up, is to steal, kill, and destroy. Exclamation point. Like, don't miss that. Like, his agenda is against you. He is not for you. He is against you. If you were a follower of Jesus, if you want to live a life uh, filled with the blessing and the richness of God, like, the thief is going to come after you and die big time. And he says, look, my purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. I just want to mess you up. I'm just letting you know, straight up. So Jesus is being so amazing. It's like there's these two teams. Like, there's the thief's team over here like the bad guy, everybody go boo, boo, right? There's the thief's team, the bad guy's team. But then Jesus turns and he says, but my purpose, like the Jesus' purpose, is to give a rich and satisfying, abundant life. Like the thief's team over there, like he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but my team over here is to have an abundant life, a rich and satisfying and amazing life, not because it's easy, Nowhere does it say that. But because we have God. And we're in his family. And we have received his invitation. To be one of his kids. To be invited to a banquet table. In the presence of our enemy. Where one day, someday, we will spend forever and ever and ever with him. Then he says in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life For the sheep, like he's giving them this big like precursor, this foreshadowing of what's going to take place. Me, Jesus, will sacrifice my life for you. That's why I came. That's why I was born to be the ultimate and final sacrifice to pay a debt that you and I could never, ever, ever pay. Jesus paid it for us. And all we have to do is receive that gift. So you matter. You matter to God. God sees you. Our extraordinary God loves ordinary people just like you and I. And in particular, he loves it when we love him back. This is the big good news for all people. God says, I got you and I see you. God says who we are He defines our identity. He says where we fit in. He defines where we belong. And he says why we are here. He defines our purpose. He says, I have a plan. I have designed you and created you for a reason. You're not just here to take up space, whether you're a shepherd or a CEO or whether you're a school teacher or just trying to figure out what to do with your kids. And you have a place to belong, he says at my banquet table. God gave the shepherds good news. It's the same good news that he shares with you and I today. So what do we do? God invites the uninvited. That's us friends. And this Christmas, like every Christmas, is the best opportunity you and I have to invite our uninvited friends. To invite them to to hear a message of hope, to hear a message of, of life change and purpose and redemption. That your past doesn't define your future. We could be like the shepherds. and we could take what God has given to us and we could give it away. We could not not talk about Jesus. I want to close with a letter. That I believe would be the type of letter that if God were to actually to write you and I a letter today. Not just the scripture letter that we have been given as a gift. I think the letter might go something like this. Dear City View family, this Christmas I want to share something with you. It's this. I know you, and I love you. From the day I made you, I've had my eye on you. Every single day. I've seen you in your finest moments when everything is going well. I also know about those challenging times when you feel the weight of the world pressing down on your shoulders. When everything seems to be crashing in at home, work and and privately, including those worst lived moments and the decisions that have hurt you and decisions that have hurt others as well. this Christmas, this is what I want you to know. I bring you good news. I have sent my son Jesus into your world to show you me, my heart and my holiness, my guidance and my grace. You see, at Christmas, I sent you a savior. My presence is your present. This Christmas, I look forward to spending time with you as we celebrate my son's birthday. I look forward to the gift you will bring to him your presence and your love. So, from my family to yours, City View, Merry Christmas, your Heavenly Father. Let's pray. Father, we just want to say thank you for the first Christmas story and everything we could have ever wanted for Christmas, you gave us in the form of a baby who grew up to be a man who took up all upon himself our faults and our failures, our brokenness. And when he was crucified on that cross, Father, Our sin, our mess was crucified with him. And Father, thank you for inviting shepherds, a band of nobodies, out in a field watching some dirty sheep. Sheep that would be sacrificed at a place where they were not even welcome to go. Your house. But Father, thank you for inviting us both to be a part of your forever family through your son, Jesus, by simply saying yes and receiving the gift of him into our lives for the forgiveness of our sin, that we would be called sons and daughters of the Most High. But Father, thank you for also using just ordinary people like us to make a difference in our world today, a world, Father, that you are fully aware of. Father, thank you for your love, for every single person who is, who is watching and listening. Father, I just pray that they would sense your presence in their life today and this week as we celebrate the birth of your son this Christmas. So thank you for that first Christmas where all of history was changed, including our own, and we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, friends, thank you for joining us today. Uh, We look forward to seeing you here at City View Live, hopefully soon. Uh, Everything is so beautifully decorated. And I hope this message hits home for you as we celebrate the joy and the presence of Jesus in our lives. God bless.